Hello, folks. Welcome to Courtside Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current sports social worker. On today's episode, we're going to take a different look at how we look at athletes. American horse racing is something we don't always think about, and we don't often think about the mental impacts of jockeys. But today we're joined by Jeremy Rose, 20-year veteran of being a horse jockey. Jeremy joins us to talk about his experience, how he became a horse jockey, and the mental impacts it can have both on the body and the mind. Jeremy's openness to talking about this topic is something that's not always discussed, but definitely needs some highlighting, especially over the past year. So folks, thanks for joining. Enjoy and stay well. And folks, we're back with Jeremy Rose, current racehorse jockey. Jeremy, thank you for joining us here on Corsa Wellness today. You've been in the sport of racehorse jockeys for a long time, about 20 years. So we want to thank you for your time and join us here on Corsa Wellness. Thanks for having me. So, Jeremy, you have an interesting story in terms of how you got into the sport. Former NCAA wrestler who turned to jockey after realizing there's a change in the weight class, it sounds like. So tell us a bit about your story and how you got into it. Well, actually, what I was, I started wrestling in 10th grade and kind of made a quick leap up into the you know, state qualifier. And I had a couple offers to go to to go to college. I didn't actually get to wrestle in college. And part of the reason was is a couple people started, I think it was Ohio State. The the wrestlers were cutting too much weight at the time. This is before people can't really, you know, nutrition and you know, you get you get you had to get certified by a doctor. This is as much weight as you could go down, and you know, that's a safe spot. So I believe it was two people died from trying to cut too much weight. So their idea, which never really made sense to me, was instead of that, bump the weight up from 118 to 126. And at the time, I was a big three-pounder. I would have been a small 18-pounder, and at 26, I would have been wrestling guys who have come down from 150 pounds, and it just wasn't feasible. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, weight is a thing when it comes to wrestling, whether you're good enough or not. So kind of wrote me out of uh, wrestling at the time, and, you know, that was my whole plan was to go to college at that point and kind of threw a curveball at me. So I had to decide what to do. And a friend of the family, Bob Zeiler, has his own string of horses at Penn National. And he took me there one day to watch watch him gallop horses and work horses. I knew nothing about racing whatsoever. That was the first time I ever went to the track, but it looked like something I could do. So a couple other connections from from my mom back in my horse showing days, back to you know quarter horse and all that, no racing, got me in Puerto Rico for almost a year. Stayed down there with a very good family, Craig and Linda Jackson, right on the farm. Broke babies for a year. Galloped my first horse at El Comandante Racetrack, uh, which is the Puerto Rican racetrack. And after that, I got sent up to Delaware, where I met up with uh, Mike and Nick Petro. And that's who I galloped for for about two years and learned how to gallop horses correctly, learn how to breeze correctly, learn how to, you know, do the basic stuff, switch sticks, leave the gate, that type of thing. And then... uh I guess it was 2000s when I rode my first race, somewhere in there. So in terms of unexpected journey, and again, it led to a 20-year career for yourself in terms of what that led to, again, being a Best Jackie SP Award winner in 2005, where you also won the Prius and the Belmont. So again, yep. 2005 was a big year for yourself. I can imagine, too, the stress and pressure in terms of that sport. Well, at that point, you know, it, it really wasn't a ton of pressure at that point because – I got so much success so fast that it it just snowballed. So it wasn't like it, it just was coming at that point so easy. I just happened to get to a good horse really quickly. You know, I rode actually, I rode Tocket 
uh, my bug year, I did, I got, I went in the first two races and then got taken off for a journeyman that, you know, that happens all the time, but I got to ride some decent horses and then fell into fleet Alex. And at that point I was just having fun. I mean, you know, I was having a good time. I put extra pressure, you know, the pressure I put on myself back there, then the win was way worse than nowadays. You know, if I went two days without winning, it drove me up a wall because I went from a sport where I win 95% of the time in wrestling to a sport. If you're winning 20, 22%, you're, you're at the top level, you know, 50% of the money is great. And to me, I couldn't comprehend that. It just, it was felt like, you know, I was losing 8% of the time, which I was, but you know, that's still a good percentage in racing. And again, a whole different culture shift. We talked about just different cultures in sport. So again, imagine the difficulty of switching that mindset and mentality. And how did that come to be or what needed to happen for you to be able to make that shift? It took a long time for me to make that shift. Might have taken me to last year to make that shift. <laughs> I mean, it did. It it took, I mean, I took some time off of race. I mean, I, I had my issues with the addiction and all that, which I, I was still riding, but I wasn't riding anywhere near my level or ability. I was still winning good races, but it, I wasn't winning as many races. I wasn't putting the work in and all that stuff. So for the past, for probably 2012 till 2000, probably 2017, I mean, I didn't really ride that hard. I didn't, you know, my body's still pretty fresh, honestly, at my age, because I didn't ride that hard. I didn't ride that many. I didn't get hurt during that time. And I took two years off from racing um, before last year um because i was just kind of sour at that point you know i wasn't getting amounts that i used to and that's that's hard mentally too when you you feel like you still have that ability which i think i do but you look at it from the owners and traders aspect too well you haven't been on your game for a decade you know how do i go to an owner and say you know jeremy's back well i gotta see it well how, how can i show it if i can't get back you know i mean it's catch point too but I, I understand you know what how they look at it that way but yeah back then i put a lot of pressure on myself i had to win you know I talk, if you ask my agent kid, I probably drove him up a wall. Cause honestly, if I went one or two days while winning a race, I, I'd lose it. I think the world was coming to an end. Cause that's the thing. It's that kind of thought of, Hey, I'm used to this, you know, 95% now I got I to settle and be happy at 24, 25%. That's, it's not the same kind of understanding of it. It's hard. It's hard to deal with. Yeah. And the fact that it's not just me, I got to rely on the horse, the trainer, the right spot. You know, there's so many, what they say in racing, there's a thousand ways to lose a race. There's one way to win a race. And, you know, when you bring all these other variables in where it's just not me and another guy on the mat that I'll work them and tougher them, stronger, quicker. That's it. Yeah. You know, there's other stuff that comes into it. And it's so true. Cause again, when there's these different factors, there's things outside of our control. And oftentimes when there's factors outside of our control, that's what causes a lot more stress and pressures because we try to control those things. So what were some of your ways of coping during your career as a jockey i mean for me now it's experience and age it's just a matter that it's just a matter of maturing i guess at this point you know out there what i used to call it's a good you're in control of not being in control hmm. so you, there's only so many things i i can put my horse in the right spot you know in the race give him the best trip and at the corporal give him a shot to win everything else is out of my hands yeah. was he in the right spot that's on the trainer was he fit enough that's on the exercise rider trainer. If he's in the right spot and he's ready to go, my job is to point him in the right direction, get him in a wing spot. And that's that's all the control I have. So again, that kind of radical acceptance piece of saying, okay, you know, I, I can have control in my wheelhouse, and outside of that, it's I know other people. Yep, exactly. Yep. One thing you talked about, and you've been more, you've been very open about it there as well, is your journey of recovery from substance use. Yep. It, again, your sport comes with a lot of. You know, physical demanding work. 
And also, too, a lot of pressure of having to be, you know, a certain ways in terms of meeting that weight there as well. What are those all factors of your battle with addiction, would you say? Uh, no. My my problem with addiction was I got hurt one year um, and didn't realize it, but I had broke my neck and had a couple injuries that I never knew. I collarbone had broken at one point and problem with my shoulder. And as I said before, if we're not riding, we're not winning. So, and this is when the opiate crisis was in full swing. This is in 2010, 11, 12, somewhere in there. So I, it was no problem getting the pills. So I went to the doctor, you know, she said, you know, here, take these. It started out with Vicodin, walk, walked up to Oxycontin 15s. And then, you know, from there, it's one of those things where it just, you start looking for stronger stuff. You can't get the doctor. So you go on the street looking for it. And, you know, at the time I didn't know I was, what I was taking actually a friend of mine who uh, is my agent, he goes, well, that's the same thing as heroin. I was bullshit. It's not the same thing as heroin. So I went home. I said, all right. And I typed it in. I said, Oh boy. So I tried to come off it that night and found out that's not aspirin. <laughs> I started going into withdrawals, which I went to the doctor. I said, you know, I think I'm hooked this and that. I said, I, I hurt. I'm going through withdrawal. Well, she prescribed me more. <laughs> so and at the time, doctors, to me, they knew what they were doing. And she probably did. You know, she probably didn't know also what, because all the pharmaceuticals were saying, no, this is not addictive. It's fine. It's not withdrawal. It's your body's back in pain again. That's We figured out that's bullshit now. Yeah. But that that that's what happened to me. It wasn't the pressure. I, I really, I don't really think I did a drug until um, the pain pills. Um, I go out social drinking, but it was maybe a cocktail or a couple beers, and that was it for the night. Yeah, that that's what happened to me when I went into my first rehab. That's when they found the fractures in my neck, the collarbone, the shoulder, and you know, and that's what, you know, like I said, that's what a lot of jockeys do. A couple of jockeys in the past have all been opiate overdoses, and like I said, if we're not riding, we're not getting paid. Yeah. So you do what you can. That's one of those things you do whatever you need to do to kind of keep in the sport because again, you know. The bills will keep rolling in. Well, that that's all. Well, that's the other thing too. If I lose two or three horses, two or three good horses, you know, I can't ride them this time, and somebody else wins on. Well, that one just went hundred thousand. All right, not a big deal. Well, now it went at two hundred thousand. Now three hundred. Well, now I lost twenty thousand dollars by one horse, let alone you know from off a month, two months. I mean, it it just it, it just keeps rolling over times and over and over again. You know, it's not just this one race. I lost this one race. No. It's the races he's going to win down the road. The other horses are going to win down the road, and it just snowballs. And like I said, one of those things there as well. If you know you're off on injury or there are other factors, there's no sick leave or sick benefits kicking in there as well to nope. pay the bills. Nope, nothing. And in terms of, has there been any conversation or changes made in the jockey world in terms of supporting yourself and other jockeys? I think there's been um, some people trying to make some some ways uh, to help. Um, I haven't seen really around my area. I know Kentucky, I think, has, they have their own rehab thing right the, down there by the racetrack. Uh, that's something I could think of. I know I know people have spoken about, but I don't think anything's actually come forward. You know, we, we've had, and it's obviously something that needs to be brought up because I think we've had two or three jockeys in the last six months that killed themselves. Yeah. I mean, and I think four or five in the last year, calendar year. So, I mean, so again, we're seeing the need and we're seeing the need for further supports for yep. 
And it's something where is the conversation being had among jockeys and, and kind of not being heard at the higher level or kind of where we feel the block is coming in? Well, unfortunately, this is one of those things where I, I won't say every jockey thinks he's the alpha male, but they all have that kind of you have to have that confidence to be a jockey. So we're not going to talk to each other and, you know, cry on each other's shoulder and say, you know, I need to talk to you. But it's not going to happen. It's more I don't know. I don't know how to do it because I'm the same way. I'm not going to go and tell so and to be honest another thing is you know it's a cutthroat sport so i go tell this jockey listen this is happening you know he'll run back to the trainers well jeremy's not running his right mind you know he, he's he's all messed up in his head you know i wouldn't ride him you know that type of thing so it's a it's a slippery slope it's hard to navigate you know what to do definitely harder with that individual athlete aspect compared to a team you know we're talking about a football team or a soccer team or, or a hockey team we're okay well you're among your teammates you you had the place to go on when you're a jockey it's you the horse the trainer again you're, you're the only jockey on that team yeah but you know like i say in the jocks room, yeah we can be friendly in the jocks room, but that shit don't happen on the racetrack yeah. you know we're out it's me against them it's them against me it's whatever you want to call it. but yeah we're not I don't see any of us setting down you know like you said in a team sport you want all your teammates on the top of their game in our sport I don't, I want to ride better than you. <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not teammates here. And the other thing is, like I said, your paycheck is based on how well you ride. It's not based right. on okay, showing up. You know, if someone has a bad game in hockey, again, their paycheck is still their paycheck. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's an upside down pyramid. 60% goes to the winner. I get 10% of that. After that's chopped all the way down to 20%. And it's only 5% to us. Then it's only 11% five to us. So the name of the game is win. And for yourself, your journey of recovery, how did that kind of play out for yourself? And why were some of the things that were beneficial? Well, to be honest, I went to multiple rehabs trying to get off the opiates. And to be honest, the best thing that I did is I came at the time I had a farm uh, where my parents lived. And I stayed there for, I think, six or seven months. Just got away from the racetrack, cleaned out my body, you know, reset everything. And, uh, uh, you know, I've been clean nine years it would be nine years october nine or ten years in october wow. so um so it's been you know it's, that that for me was the way i got fixed uh you know the, the rehab i don't think for the most part you don't stay in there long enough um my, a lot of times either you check yourself out insurance doesn't want to keep paying there's a lot of different reasons you know different things but you know 30 days for me wasn't enough to stay away it's kind of one of those things you know I tell people opiates or, or pill, pain pills are so much harder to get off of, like something than alcohol. But once you're off and you're away, it's easier because it's not, you're not going to be, you know, taking pills in front of everybody. You know, you're not going to look in once it's out of your system, you're not chasing it every day like I did. You know, once you're away from it long enough, you're good. Alcohol, unfortunately, you get off it easy, but I can drive three miles and hit a liquor store. You know, so it's kind of, Pick your poison. They both suck. <laughs> yeah. And being with alcohol is, well, you're not going to turn on TV and be watching a TV show or movie and see a commercial for opioids compared to, you're going to see a commercial for a beer. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, if I, if I don't have a prescription, and now I'll give credit to the doctors, they've definitely cracked down quite a bit. You know, I've heard, you know, multiple people say, well, they should give him for this. I'm going, eh, I take ibuprofen three. <laughs> You'll yeah. be better off with that than getting on that stuff I, I i mean i'd have to be i told my mom i said god forbid i take a real bad injury you know and i have to get back on that i gotta be under surveillance like i can't even 10 years down the road 
because I've been what six seven months clean and took one thinking eh, I'd be all right and I mean I was literally up back to ten a day like that. Yeah, it can be yeah. a slippery slope there for sure because sometimes yep. we get yep. in that mindset of oh you know what I'm in a better state now or I'm recovered is sometimes what we hear yep. people say recovery is a lifeline journey it's not something where yep. it's, we get that recovered place. Exactly. Yep. And for yourself, getting back, like I said, after you said about two years away from the track, how was that transition to get back to run? Um, well, I had to get kind of fit. You know, it's a sport. You know, you can work as many horses you want and get, you know, run as much as you want, but there's nothing like a race. I, I did, you know, my first race I won, you know, knees buckled like I rode my first race as an apprentice. But um, the first part was a little slow, and I'll give my agent credit because it's a hard sell regardless of my career stats. I'm coming off two years, even though the trainers see me every day, the owner's not. So I've been off two years, and the last eight before that or seven before that weren't exactly stellar. It's not like I was top of my game to tie, take a break, and then come back. You know, it was downward spiral, spiral for a while. Um, so it's hard for a trainer to go, you know, I see Jeremy's work good. Well, the owner's going, well, I don't see him. I see his past. I hear about his past. We're going to wait. So the first, I'd say six weeks was a little nerve wracking because I wasn't sure that I'd make the right decision to come back. Cause I didn't, I never wanted to be a jockey that just came out road. I didn't want to be that guy that just, you know, went out to get my hundred dollar jocks mount and go home. And, you know, the first couple of weeks, I didn't even talk to me. I said, we good. He says, well, since it, you know, they want to see you ride. They want to see how you're doing. And I always love the one they say, well, you know, he's 40 years old. Well, Mike Smith's riding at 56. Yeah. And I've, like I said, I've been very light on my body for the past 10 years. So, no real injuries, anything to speak of like that. I think I'm pretty well fit, but those first six weeks I was worried. And then all of a sudden I started catching one win a day or two wins a day. And then, you know, people started jumping on. And then, you know, my, I was very fortunate that some of my old clients helped me again. Tim Ritchie put me on winners. Peck Carrera put me on a bunch. Stevie K put me on a bunch. Uh, Grand Motion put me on another stake winner. So, and, and just riding for Grand Motion, people see that. And that's a big plus to people. <laughs> And then I got lucky and got lucky with uh, Brittany Russell, who's very, very good down at Laurel. Took off with her a little bit and win, I think, 10 races for her. So I'm hoping this year that when I come back to Delaware, I'm, I'm going to be riding year-round for the first time and I don't know how long. So I'm going back to basically you know, going all in, racing again, riding six, seven days a week. That's my plan anyway, if the business is there. But I'm hoping to start off Delaware a little sharper this year and get rolling quicker. And it sounds like, too, having the newer mindset and a better mindset around what your needs are, too, that's going to be able to help your performance, too, as a jockey. Well, it, that, and there's not as much pressure. You know, back when I was riding all the time, I had to almost make 12000 a month just to pay the bills. Not not taxes, not everybody else, just bills. I had a couple houses, cars, all that stuff. You know, I don't have all that now, but I don't have the bills now. I got my car right now. So if I make, you know, make a decent living, I'm comfortable. I'm not planning on going back to spending all the money, you know, on 10 cars, 12 cars and having a big ass house and a farm on top of it. And then a place in Florida, I'll get a nice house and put money away and just enjoy the racing. Because, yeah. again, it's, you know, it's really easy to do. Again, you broke into the sport at the age of, you know, sounds like 19, 20. And when the money's rolling in, well, it's easy to kind of get consumed in that lifestyle with it. Well, it's easy because you never think it's going to stop. I mean, for a good decade, it didn't stop. I mean, it just 
got better and better and better and better until, you know, obviously the pain pills. But yeah, so, you know, that's one thing I tell you, young jockeys, save your money a little bit. Don't, you know, I don't get me wrong. I had a good time. You know, me and my friends, we go out, have a good time, party. We go grab a couple of yachts for um, spring break. Well, we had a good, I get, you know, I have those memories, which, you know, are wonderful. Um, but I wouldn't, if I had a younger jockey coming up and making the money, put the money away, have one car, one house, that's enough. Party once a month, maybe be happy. Don't, don't be spending it. Cause it does, it, you know, it's true. It doesn't last. It really doesn't. Any other advice you'd give young jockeys coming up through today's sports in terms of taking care of themselves mentally as well? Well, I think, you know, when it, I think it'd be great if jockeys found their own personal therapist. Um, like I said, the group thing probably ain't going to work for jockeys, but fine. And probably an athletic therapist. But the problem I had with therapists, and it took me a while to get in, but it's hard. Although they're in athletics, they don't understand the racetrack. So you almost have to, the first probably four or five sessions is just getting them to understand the game and what you go through for them to help you rather than they maybe see baseball players all the time, football, basketball players. Well, this is the same game. You know, they they don't have an ambulance chasing them around the racetrack. You know, LeBron might spray, spray, you know, sprain his ankle, but it's not the same as us hitting the ground at 40, 1200 pounds hitting us on top of us. So, and that's the other thing. That's another mental thing you, you got to keep in mind is, you know, you could ride for 25 years uninjured. You might ride your first race and be done for life. And that's always there. You're, you're one fall away from being done. And I think that's an important part there as well, because again, if, if you got a therapist who, when you talk about you know how many amounts I got, and they're looking at you like that in heads and don't know what amount is, right? Yeah, the rapport is not going to build the same. So again, to understand the culture of the sport, which again is an important part in the lot of work of being a you know a sports therapist or a sports social worker or a sports psychologist. Well, many of them told me you know I'd see them, and they say, well, you know what you need to do, you take you know, a month or six weeks off work. You don't know my game. <laughs> Six weeks off, I might as well not race again. I said, because I'll be blackballed. I said, that's not how this game works. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't. Yeah. So, again, having, you know, that connection who understands the culture of the sport and right. not just the mental health side of it, but, again, the racing side of it there as well. To be honest, with the perfect person to be an ex-jockey that went to school to be a therapist where they know the ins and outs and know you're cutting weight, you don't feel good, you know all that stuff. You're hitting the hot box then for an hour or two hours a day. You know, your legs are rubber trying to ride, you know, you got fired from this horse, which went on to, you know, all the mental stuff that comes along with it. Yeah. That lived experience piece is so important because again, it's that understanding. And again, when you're sitting across from someone who understands, you know, what you're going through or has been there, it's easier to build up that rapport as well. Right. Absolutely. One thing we all, we always like to check in with people around on the show as well is, what are some things we wish we could tell our younger self or what messages we would say, Hey, if I had a time back, this is something I wish someone had told me. Oh, well, first off, um, again, don't spend all your money, you know, be smart. Don't buy all the houses and all the cars. I mean, I, one time I bet I used to buy, I probably didn't hold on to a car for more than three to six months for good eight years. And I bought the boats and the jet skis and all that stuff and had a big, nice house. And, you know, like I said, buy yourself a nice house, you know, a track car maybe and a nice car to go out. You know, if you want to go out, you know, on the weekend or something, do it once in a while. Yeah. You know, we were going out every week. Every, it, it, we, as soon as 
we were dark Thursday, Friday. So Wednesday night, as soon as Wednesday night came, the limo was sitting in my house. We were a roll. I mean, I was a weekly, that was a weekly thing. Like I said, I have great memories, but the, the, the money would be kind of nice at this point. But um, not only that, the other thing is taxes. Learn how to do taxes. I got in trouble with that because that's, you know, it, it, all the stuff they teach in school is great, but they need to teach stuff like that. Because, yeah. you know, I was working for Mikey Petro under the table for a little bit, so I didn't pay taxes for a while. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, my first year, I did almost, what, almost seven and a half million in purses. Yeah. So I got a bill for 125000 in one lump. I'm sitting there going, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not giving you that. <laughs> well, no. you're going to give it one way or another, whether it's penalties or you can't give it up front. So I had, you know, luckily I had my mom to help clean that up. My mom cleans a lot of stuff up for me even now. But, um, yeah, I, I, taxes is another thing, especially for a jockey, because we're not taught that stuff. It's yeah. not like these other jobs where it's taken right out, then you do your write-offs and you get money back. We are self-employed, so we have to do everything. Send out our own taxes, pay our own quarterlies, then try to get the write-offs and all that. We don't have anybody to do that. So, Gandhi, you know, we're talking about there's already enough pressures from, you know, writing a cell, but then there's other factors too on top of it yep. that can, you know, increase a person's stress level as well. Oh, yeah. You know, you see that that's the dark side of jockeys is you see the Breeders' Cup, the Preakness, the Belmont, big races and all the glamour. And it's yeah, that top one percent get to do that or maybe 10 percent. Luckily, I got to play in that for a while. But then you see the jockeys that are, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten at a racetrack. You know, they're not making tons of money. They're not you know, they're not making a lot of bank. So it's even more difficult for them. But again, Either get an accountant, learn how to do taxes, but definitely, you know, be smart with your money. Put put your retirement away. Don't touch that, you know, that type of thing. And also talk to the older jockeys for tips on the racetrack. Cause, you know, when I was coming up, I had people like Tony Black, Rick Wilson, McCarthy, you know, Mark Johnson. I had Jerry Bailey help me out. I had good jockeys and I went to them all the time. If I thought I screwed up, hey, can you look at this? I don't think I've had a jockey in the last 15 years ask me anything. They just think they know it. Yeah. And it's disappointing because, you know, experience in this game goes a long way. And you think like I did talk to, you know, watch all the races, get your, you know, pick what you like from other jockeys to try to fit that to your style then. And, you know, ask them, what would you do there? What I do wrong here? And they'll tell you. Cause I'm sure there are, you know, some experienced jockeys who would love to take on that mentorship role. Cause again, they don't want to see younger jockeys make the same mistakes or same errors that they did in their past. Well, not make the same errors. It makes you safer out on the track. And, you know, you want the easiest thing, and this always cracks me up because people ask me, you know, what's it like to ride against the best jockeys in this and that? It's easy because we all ride the same. Yeah. The the ones that mess up are the, the bad jockeys. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who to follow. You know, that those those kind of races, you know, the Preakness and the Belmont, I mean, you're riding with good jockeys. They know where they're at. You know where you're at. You know, it's, it's, and if you're on good horses, it's, it's easier to ride a 5,000 claimer, 14 horse field with, you know, eight jockeys that kind of go all over the place. You know, it's, 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 you know, nice to ride in that caliber. You know, people, that's what jockeys should be striving for, not being scared of. Yeah. That's why I get it from a lot of jockeys. They they can't make that step up. It's almost like an intimidator scared of. Why? You know, it's, it, that, that means you got to that level. You're good as they are, and it's safer for the most part. You don't really see a ton of spills in big races. There's a reason. Knock on wood. But, yeah, you don't see a ton of spills in big races, and there's a reason. 
because again, that safer aspect is there. Because again, you know, they got the experience that's needed. They got, you know, they learned the proper way of, you know, riding their horse, we'll say. Right, exactly. One thing we often like to do kind of who is our way of kind of cleaning up the episode is, in your opinion, what makes a well athlete or well jockey? Uh, I'm not sure how to answer that. Um, I think for jockeys, you need to be mentally strong because there's so many up and downs. You know, it's not, and again, it's not a team sport where you can, your, your quarterback can pick you up, your running back can pick you up, you know, vice versa, basketball court, whatever, it's you. So if you make a mistake, it's on you and it's national. It's on all the TVs and then you got to deal with the owner and trainer. Um, I think you have to have, I think a good jockey needs to be honest, but in a kind of nice way, which I wasn't back in my early days. You know, if I had an opinion, it was coming out one way or another, it probably depending on if I screwed up, you know, I tell you as soon as I got off the, 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 the track, if the horse screwed up, I'd let you know that too. So I've calmed that down a little bit, but that's thing. That's something that came with maturity because I was a bit of hothead back in the day. Um, but yeah, you need to be mentally strong. You need to know how to talk to people. Um, obviously physical attributes help, you know, if you're built correctly, if you can keep your weight down the right way, um, don't binge. You know, I know there's jockeys that, I mean, there's a lot of jockeys out there that weren't built to be jockeys that, you know, Unfortunately, that's the only way they're going to make weight is flipping and doing it the wrong way because they can't do it the right way. They just can't. Their body will blow up. Um, but that's that's their personal demon to fight. You know, I'm, I'm fighting my weight a little bit now, but not – I mean, all I'm doing is having to diet a little bit better, that type of thing, where they they just don't eat or they you know, flip and that type of thing. So I've been pretty fortunate in that area when it comes to – keep my weight down and wrestling help with that. You know, wrestling is something that taught me to keep my weight down. And that's a good point. Cause again, I can imagine that there's a high degree of, you know, disordered eating within your sport as well oh, from yeah. different people, you know, you know, going through their own demons, as you say as well. Yep. Oh yeah. They, you know, that scale is the demon that a lot of people, you know, it's getting there with me, but not like them. I mean, it, like I sit in a hot box for 40 minutes, I'm good to go for the most part. But some of them, they, you know, they eat, they have to heave that up, and then they got to get in the hot box. They got to take Lasix. I mean, that takes a lot of, lot on your body. I mean, but to be honest, I don't know how some of them, you know, I got to give them credit, how mentally they could still ride a good race after being, doing all that stuff and being hungry all the time and being dehydrated all the time and, you know, constantly getting on the scale, you know. Yeah. It has to take a toll, like I said, mentally, physically, emotionally, every aspect yeah. of it as well, and impact every other area of life. Yeah, you got to be able to roll with the punches in this game because, like I said, you might go a week or two without winning a race, and you might win, you know, five in a week. It's just, you know, you might get taken off a good horse, and then you might find a good horse. It's it's a tough it's a tough game. It really is. And like I said, with so many different variables that can be kind of thrown, and like I said, just one variable can throw a whole series of events. Well, a lot of times, so you throw, you're on the best horse, you throw a bad jockey in there, you got the speed, you got 31 shot on the outside of you, you're four to five, and he's running in the ground. Well, I can't do anything about it, but he just cost me the race. You know what I mean? That's a variable that I can't control. You know, he rides his race, I ride mine. So, and that that's just one variable that, you know, there's so many others you don't get through at the right time. It doesn't set up, you know, the pace doesn't set up the way you want it to. They don't come back to you. The track's playing speed and you're on all closers there, there, i mean there's just so many variables and that's that's my job is to overcome the variables put my horse in the right spot and give him a shot to win 
That's that's all I can do. And that's part of it too, is kind of have the acceptance of hey, what's within my control or what's what's without. And that's that's that was a hard thing for for a long time, and still to this day, you know, especially if I screw up, that'll drive me up a wall even today. But yeah, I had to learn that I, I can't control everybody else. It okay. just is what it is. And Jeremy, we want to thank you again for you know, letting ourselves to be open for your journey. And like I said, we're glad to hear, you know, uh, nine, 10 years of sobriety. Again, you know, it's a great accomplishment of his own. And again, we're glad to hear you getting back on the track in terms of getting bounced. And again, you know, hopefully there will be changes coming in this sport. Because again, there's so many factors that I think people don't realize. And we're glad we're going to have your perspective on our shoulder as well. Because again, it's not something that I think is talked about enough. Right. Yeah, I agree with that, especially what's happening right now to young joggies, not not my age. I mean, you're talking 18, 19, 20-year-olds that just start in their life. I mean, it's disheartening, to say the least. So hopefully changes come forward yep. there as well. And like I said, we'll, like I said, tag some information for people there so they can kind of read it on, too, in terms of, you know, some of the journey that you have gone on in terms of, you know, other interviews we've, we've read about and also, too, in terms of some of the successes you've had in this sport. Right, right. No, it's been it's been a long journey, a fun journey, an up and down journey. <laughs> so we, th- thank you again. Like I said, we really appreciate your time today. Well, I appreciate be- having you on there. Folks, if you like today's episode, want to check out other episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, iHeartRadio, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can also check us out on social media, on our Instagram page, or on Facebook at Wellness Athletic Services. We also have a website now, www.wellnessathleticservices.com. If you have any ideas for the show or recommend any athletes you'd like to check out on our show, feel free to email us at wellnessathleticservices at gmail.com. Thank you and stay well. Mm-hmm.